0: Since 1972, Braun Industries has been a custom ambulance manufacturer focused on safety, quality, and innovation. Each Braun module is unique well beyond the chassis it's built on. With six ambulance models, limitless features, and all customizable options, let Braun assist you in designing the perfect custom ambulance to suit your needs. Learn more at www.braunambulances.com com.
1: Is your fire department prepared to face challenges like the turbulent economy, recruiting and retention, and funding? Level up and get the training and strategies you need on the issues that matter most at WAVE 2023. Featuring ESO Training Academy on April 11th through the 14th, 2023 in Austin, Texas. ESO. A leading provider of fire, RMS, and EPCR software brings together national industry leaders, quality training, and experienced fire and EMS professionals for a unique conference experience that will inspire you to drive change within your organization and prepare for 2023's challenges. For a limited time, our listeners can use the discount code FIRETRUCK to save $100 on a full four day conference pass. Don't miss this opportunity to learn from some of the nation's top experts in emergency services. Visit ESOWAVE.com to register today. That's ESOWAVE.com. See you in Austin on April 11th through the 14th, 2023.
0: This podcast is brought to you by Flex7 from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit slash Flex7. Flex-7, powered by Enforced Technology, only from Tankata Protective Fabrics.
2: Welcome back to Main Street Firefighting, a podcast by Fire Engineering. My name is Lex Shady, and with me is my partner, Chris Tobin. Before we begin, we'd again like to thank fire engineering for the opportunity and you all for tuning in. This episode, we are joined by Chief of Training Brian Brush from Midwest City Fire Department in Oklahoma. The chief has a diverse background in the fire service, crossing multiple states and experiences, and he brings this unique perspective to an engine-focused conversation on approaching building construction and training. We hope you enjoy. Thanks again, Chief, for coming on and talking to us today. Um, we're really excited to get um, your perspective on kind of Midwest legacy buildings, and uh, kind of uh, looking at them from an engine perspective. Um, but before we get started, could you give us a little bit of background for the listeners? Um, your maybe a little bit of bio and your experience, and exactly where Midwest City is.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, right now I'm in uh, I'm the training chief at Midwest City Fire Department in Midwest City, Oklahoma. And uh, we're actually just on the east side of Oklahoma City uh, in kind of the metro area. There's a smaller department right in between us and Oklahoma City. uh, So we don't um, really border Oklahoma City as far as the fire department, but uh, kind of the, the suburban makeup is just kind of blends together as far as the east side of Oklahoma City into our district. And then on the south side, we're bordered by Tinker Air Force Base. And, uh, you know, when we talk about building construction of the district, we can uh, kind of speak to how that really uh, influenced the makeup of our area. But um, so uh, in short, on my background, I got into the fire service at 16 years old in northern California as a as a volunteer. Um, Actually kind of responding from the high school as as a volunteer, which was pretty cool to get to be a a fireman at at 16 years old and and get out of class for it. So I always joke that the uh, fire service had their hooks in me two years before any military recruiter could have. But it's just kind of, you know, uh, action and service has kind of always been something that really interested me. So I came out to Oklahoma to uh, go to school at Oklahoma State University uh, in a fire engineering program. Uh, right out of high school and then i returned to california to work uh doing the wildland stuff in the summertime and i kind of bounced back and forth between that uh, until i moved to uh the denver area worked for west metro for uh, a better part of 13 years and then um, my wife uh, and our family kind of ultimately decided to move back to oklahoma in, in 2015 and uh, this is where i've been since i worked with uh, edmund fire department uh when i first moved back to oklahoma uh, got back into the you know Oklahoma fire Service through there and then got into training as a training officer while I was at Edmund and I just kind of set the uh, set the stage for me to uh, to apply for this training chief job and I've been here at Midwest City since 2019 and I uh, just loving every second of it.
2: That's awesome. You have uh, quite the range of states in your fire service background so that gives you a kind of a unique perspective of it. Yeah, so you know, it's
3: it's fun. It's like uh, you know, not just the, the the areas, but also the department makeups. You know, I've worked in uh, rural volunteer agencies. I've worked in combination. Uh, worked obviously for the Forest Service in, in California, traveling the whole state, uh, Denver metro area. You know, a, a really good sized metro department, and then now here. So I I as much as people, you know, will abuse me for being a fire service gypsy and traveling mm-hmm. around the country. Uh, it. It really does, like you're saying, uh, provide a great perspective, and and it's 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 awesome. I I, I can't be more uh, excited about the uh, the crooked path that I've taken.
4: <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. So that is it is interesting that uh you started off in the in the west and then um kind of took a stop in in you know I guess that would be the the mountain range area of the country in, in Denver. Um. And then you you ended up in Oklahoma. So I guess. In your perspective, you know how how the buildings change from um, from California to, to Oklahoma. Was it evident, or it, I mean, how how did how did that like in your perspective, um, I guess like uh, represent itself in, in in how you fought fire or how those apartments fought fire? Or the other or cultures of those departments was I mean, obviously there's a big difference between what you see in Oklahoma and what you see in California. So
3: yeah, you know it it it's wild how. How much difference there is um, in regional influences in construction, you know. And, and as far as you know, before even me getting into the fire service, my my dad was a commercial contractor in California. Um, so you know, my first job was was going to work with him and cleaning up job sites, and uh, slowly worked into assisting the carpenters and then some rough framing. So um, I've I've been in the the construction you know business well before I was in the fire service. So I've always had an interest in construction. Um, But until you get out of where you're at, you don't really um, kind of start to recognize those influences. So growing up in California, you know, people have their perceptions of it, but, um, you know, there's still some older construction in California. Um, And then, you know, you learn about suburban sprawl out there. Obviously people think that it was the home to lightweight construction. And it's certainly... Uh, it is in volume, but maybe not the first place that it took off. But, you know, I remember, um, you know, coming up in the fire service and in, in California and, and it being very uh, pro roof operations and vertical ventilation and, and not thinking anything of it. And, uh, you know, as you work across the country, uh, people are very fearful of lightweight construction, but more because of a lack of familiarity. Yeah. Um, you know, we are, we are very comfortable working on trust roofs there. And then you know, when you talk about going to Colorado, um, you know, again, a suburban sprawl, a lot of growth, uh, lots of lightweight construction. But the truss uh, construction there is, is slightly different because of snow loads. Mm-hmm. So while it's viewed as small dimension lumber, um, the compression, you know, and support is, is really – it's really there. Sure. Uh, and then coming back to Oklahoma, you know, this area – not my department in Oklahoma City, but as a whole, the uh, the the center of the country is is kind of against vertical ventilation and and uh, and really concerned with it. And it was mind blowing to me because this was really the first part of the country that I've worked where it's it was true cut roofs, you know, uh, two by six mm-hmm. uh, uh, roof rafters and uh, and a ridge beam and right. a lot of hipped roofs, you know, because of the winds that they take here due to tornadoes and. I just thought it was beyond me. It's like, man, I've never been in a part of the country where even the, the newest construction has roofs that are this solid and there's a concern for being on them. And, I, you know, again, it's it's wild to see um, really kind of that they're more concerned about the operation of vertical ventilation than they are the, uh, the risk of the construction, but it's maybe easier to blame uh, the construction for it.
0: Yeah,
4: that's yeah, that's that's super similar to I guess my experience. You know, Alexis, her, she came in up in Ohio. Um, I'm, I'm you know I'm a product of the Missouri Fire Service, which is obviously we're all in the in the same Midwest boat, um, and yeah, that's that's all very similar. It is very interesting to kind of put your finger on like the Midwest Fire um, Service culture, which is you know in... I would say pretty much everything east of Colorado and everything west of Virginia and then, you know, north and south, you know, Texas to to Michigan. Um, It seems everyone's kind of in that what you just described. That's a majority um, of of that area. And it's so very interesting to kind of wonder why that is. Um, Where did it propagate from? Because surely the anchor cities in that area, which, you know, would be your Chicago's, your Detroit's, you know, your Houston's. Um, they obviously are very aggressive and all, all that, right? Like they're they're not afraid of roofs or anything else. Um, so you kind of wonder where that came from, you know? I, it's just kind of like you said, it's kind of mind boggling sometimes to get into these older older parts of the um, the country and in, in the in the center of the country. Like you have the old legacy construction, and they fight them just like it's lightweight. And then like what you just referenced, you see the the people in, in the lightweight world um, doing stuff. That, that people here think is more dangerous or or not an option, and it's just interesting how the the variance um, exists. So, but yeah, it's very peculiar. I'm not really sure why or how or when that started.
2: Yeah, and
3: it's uh it, it's weird. I mean, I think again, it's um it's it's lack of exposure. You know, you you fear what you what you don't know, and uh, and you you get fed in certain things, and you know, I think that that's a that's a disservice of, uh, kind of the way we've structured things, you know, be even back to the ha- Hackensack, New Jersey, the bowstring con- construction failure, you know, it's, sure. uh, too, too much of our fire service past blamed, uh, construction features or, or things that were beyond our control because we didn't want to n- maybe claim uh, misguided tactics or, or improper size ups. And, uh, the world's really Changed, you know, the NIOSH reports will will hang uh, responsibility on those things. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, talk about uh, you know a modern versus legacy man. The, the the legacy of the fire service was kind of uh, let, let's find a scapegoat um, because really no one's going to know the details of what went down. Uh, and today there's a there's a, a much higher degree of responsibility placed on operations than there is on um, you know construction. So hopefully in time um, we we can stop falsely claiming these things contributed to uh to, to these these events.
4: Yeah, sure. And you know, um you you're in a very I guess uh more of a unique perspective in Midwest City because and I'm sure you know this but a lot of people probably don't is is uh that city's history and how it was um I guess built after uh you know post World War II in this I guess the suburban template um and then that's that's pretty much what was was a uh, ground zero for, for that playbook as far as how to lay out, you know, a, a suburban, um, I guess, uh, planned city, you know, um, I grew up on a military base in Florida, so I kind of, I understand that kind that, that layout, but, um, I don't think people understand the, the importance of, of, I guess, a Midwest city's, uh, historical importance. Um, about like what happened to to the buildings after World War II in the sprawl. And then, you know, certain things kind of changed in the landscape. Um, But I mean, maybe you can hit on that. I'm not sure how familiar you are with that, with that history, but obviously you you would know more than me.
0: Oh yeah,
3: for sure. Um, you know, I, I actually, there's a, there's an article in, uh, you know, in the queue at fire engineering, um, on, um, you know, Basically, our our Midwest city's building stock, you know, and we're we're not a uh, we're not a unique story um, because it, it it occurred all across the country in the in the World War II uh, area. But uh, Tinker Air Force Base right here in, in Midwest City is essentially the uh, the maintenance shop for uh, for the Air Force and in a lot of the you know even the Navy some of their large planes. So um, during World War II, we saw a tremendous amount of growth here. Um, but at that time, you know, they were, they were very small houses, 900, 1200, uh, square foot, early suburban, you know, we'd say the birth of lightweight, but more just kind of that, um, that suburban template of, Hey, there's three floor plans and we're, we're just going to stomp them out, you know, on all these lots. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, so, uh, a lot of our building stock around here, uh, it, it is in line with that uh, explosive growth of right around world war two. So the late forties, primarily the fifties, you know, the post-war suburban boom, uh, sixties into seventies, and then growth really stalled out here kind of since then. And now we're going through a real redevelopment era. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, um, it is a very, very interesting thing to, to take note of, of when these kind of evolutions of, of construction move through areas. Um, I guess uh i mean i know there's a lot to talk about so we can kind of uh, move around a, a little bit more um but yeah i mean i mean it's uh i'm a i'm a fire service nerd obviously you guys know um but building construction is a big part of it you know i uh, for that article i queried the uh the working fires that we had in our city and i wrote it this summer so it was the first six months of 2022 so in the first six months of 2022 i think we had like 40 something uh working structure fires and come to find out only two of them uh actually occurred in buildings uh that were built in the last 20 years the majority of our uh, working fires are in uh uh, buildings that are uh, 50 plus years old so uh, that was kind of eye-opening for us to really dig into the the, the information on it to know where our, our fire problem is.
4: Sure. Yeah. That's, that's always really good to have that data points. And it's important to have someone out there that's collecting that kind of data. Um, I mean, you know, if you can measure it, you can improve it, right? That's what the saying is. So um, I mean, onto your point with, with the whole, the cultural thing um, we, we get to go all over the place and, and we primarily, you know, look at old towns and main streets and stuff like that. And we get to see the, the changes that happen geographically, from east to west and north to south. And um, what, what you had talked about before with the roof stuff, we really start to see with, with the apparatus setups and then the aerial priorities. I mean, just think about how many towns out there, um, you know, have, have a ladder truck and then use it more for a parade or an aerial master stream and have no notion of, of using a, an aerial for access to, to anywhere, right? Um, and then you ask them, what's your plan for, you know, a, a roof? Cockloft fire running your main street, and they just have a look of, of blank bewilderment, right? Um, and then that's that's kind of astounding. So I think everything we we're talking about is kind of lumped into the same same issue, and it's all interconnected. Um, but you know, for one one thing leads to another. And then what we're going to talk about, like you said, with the stairs and the engine um, stretches and stuff like that with these buildings, I think all that's part of it too, right? So. So
2: before we get into that, um, as we're talking about culture and all these things, how the buildings play into effect of that, can you kind of give us um, a little rundown on the culture of your department specifically? So you've done the buildings, but maybe what your manpower is like, um, and then just general tactics. So what your first, you know, if you have a working fire, what you get on scene, and then if you're using, you know, your aerials, are you guys going to the roof, doing that kind of thing before we really dig into the rest of it?
3: Yeah, I mean, I... I mean, I, I truly feel like, uh, you know, 20 working in the fire service for 20 something years. Somehow I, I put in in enough to, to land here. Um, I mean, Midwest city fire department is, is, is it's just amazing. I mean, you, you, uh, talk about culture. I mean, this is a, I, I'd like to call it like the Moneyball ball, uh, fire department. I mean, it's there, these guys are hard workers. They get it done all the time. Uh, they're, we're kind of in the shadow of Oklahoma City, but uh, we would be equated to a, a, a battalion of Oklahoma City. So we're a, a six station department. Um, the district is 26 square miles. We have uh, four engine companies, uh, one single axle, uh, straight stick, a ladder. And then we have a uh, tandem axle, uh, 95 foot platform. Uh, that's truck one. Our uh, staffing on the engines and the ladders is four with a three minimum, and our staffing on the truck is five with a four minimum. So uh, first due residentials is uh, um, the four engines in the truck. Uh, Anything commercial or apartments, we we send everything we got, so five engines in the truck. Um, Our operations, because of our uh, response area and us being very close, uh first due engine and the truck goes straight into the scene um water is picked up by either the second do or third do engine kind of depending on the um on the uh, arrival order and and but uh we we kind of have had to move to that type of uh atmosphere because everybody gets there so quickly so to kind of try to start to line up as folks come in we, we went with the blue card model for a while where you know first you went into the scene and then everybody staged level one but um we've kind of found a happy in between of that to where we get that first do engine for fire attack we get the truck there right away so it can either uh split for search and vent or split for backup and search kind of depending on it uh on the layout but we we really want to get um you know those priority hot assignments done first and then kind of slow roll everybody else in to support them so sure um but, but uh we do uh just over eighty five hundred runs a year um pretty decent fire duty right now i think um we've had probably five or six working structure fires in the last uh two weeks or so um so it's 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 a it's a great place to work uh the the environment is is really good we have a really supportive community um i think the the community is very proud and just has been for a long time to uh it's just kind of dyed red bright and blue collar uh town as far as supporting the military base and having a lot of pride in, in the city and in service and uh it's just hard working people all around
4: um awesome that's really good so we've done some stuff recently with with you know um using EMS the best way possible for, for departments that, that have experienced some sort of mission creep or, or, you know, a a uptick in EMS runs and how that's kind of affected normal day to day priorities. So like how how does your, how is your department's EMS system set up? Is it third party under one roof, separate single role? How how does it?
3: Yeah, we have a EMS is a, is a third party. It's run out of the hospital that is, that is in um, our city. Um, and uh, we have a really good relationship with them, uh, but our department uh, is, I'd say, BLS. Um, there's still even just some EMT skills that we are still working towards. So um, overall, our, our organization is definitely just kind of first responder to BLS level. We do have paramedics; uh, they can act as paramedics as long as an ambulance is on scene, so we we can um, you know fully support the ambulance, but. As far as our apparatus, we are very, um, very much just BLS support. Uh, we're trying to improve that level of EMS service because just the, you know, the, the world in which we live now. Sure. Um, but, but uh, we pretty much only respond to uh, higher priority uh, EMS calls uh, at facilities. So, like uh, basic calls at, at nursing homes or doctors' offices, we we do not respond to. Um, that's all handled by EMS. We anything at residences, any type of medicals, uh, and lift assists and those things that, that any other department goes to, we do. But um, our nursing home duty, our our duty to the jail, um, our duty to doctors' offices, a, a lot of those um, are handled um, just within the EMS system and, and don't involve the fire.
4: Cool, that's awesome, good, good. That's that's always good to be able to, to have that that time open during the day for for you know essentially fire oriented you know training and and tasks so um
2: so kind of getting into the building construction a little bit you've kind of talked about it and the fact that you you know traveled and you started out you know with your dad doing some construction work but was there something that specifically piqued your interest in building construction whether you just you know had the interest from being a teenager or a specific incident or building that made you kind of want to look into it more
3: you know i i kind of thought about this question and i guess it's just it's just always been a part of my life, you know, because my dad was a a builder, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, I've just always been around it. And then, you know, knowing that and having that ability as a skill of myself, you know, I, I enjoy knowing how things go together so then I can break it down and figure out how I could do it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I guess as far as, uh, you know, moving into the fire service, uh, I, you know, and I, I don't know i i think it's kind of interesting i'm i know a lot of people get into the uh you know the 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 true details of building construction and i i think that's uh that's neat stuff um but really i mean to me, building construction and the fire service, it's the layout of building construction is, is more important to me than, than the lumber of building construction, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah. That's yeah, a very yeah, that's, similar concept to like Aaron Fields. Right. He says he looks at buildings, he looks at the layouts and turns rather than, you know, maybe the building itself. And, and
4: I think that's really cool something that to kinda of talk about is everyone kinda of, it doesn't matter where we go, whether it's the the most just Settled in their way, you know, forty-year vet or, or the or the the four-month new rookie. Everyone has a, a base interest in the buildings because just sheer curiosity. But when you really start breaking it down into different people, um, everyone we've we've had on and like she just referenced Aaron, um, they just basically come out and say, I, I don't really care this what. You know, the components are, I, I just need to know the layouts, the rooms and how I'm getting this hose from point A to point B. And then you talk to someone maybe assigned to um, a, a truck company or a truck centric department and they're talking about voids and, you know, stuff like that and the different roof types. And um, it's very interesting. The two, there's definitely two separate perspectives and it's really neat to kind of hit on both of those. But um, it does kind of bring to a point where you got it. You got to know both, right? Um, but it's well, re- I, it's I think, it's really yeah. cool that that you know there there is two to, to talk about. It's not just building construction, right? There's definitely a, there's more to that. and You got to peel back the layers.
3: Absolutely, and I mean it's it's funny. You know, you kind of say there 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 is a different mindset between a a truck company or a support company wanting to know about building construction versus the engine company um but i mean the, the core of it is 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 paths of travel mm-hmm. you know so it's like i mean when we go places we aren't familiar with them we're going to pull up a map you know I, I, we want to know we we kind of want to have a rough idea of the the direction and in, in the distance like we don't know what the road conditions are going to be like or the traffic but uh i mean i i would not drive to your guys's house without pulling up a map and going okay well it's you know it's going to take me about this long and this is the general direction that i'm going Mm. so i mean i think that you know that for the engine company that's that's the pathways the stairways the hallways you know and, and where the compartments are the you know for the truck company and we say truck but really it's the support functions it's like all right well how what are what am i responsible for and that's Cutting off fire extension. That's that's properly properly ventilating. That's that's being concerned about um, you know overhaul and so uh, we're we're just trying to get ahead of the routes that we might take on the fireground um, or or the fire might take on the fireground.
4: Sure. Um, yeah, yeah you're, that's totally that's all correct. Um, and it's uh, you also hit on one thing too. Like, yeah, obviously, um, Lex and I, we're not architectural students. We're not engineers. Um, there's a lot about buildings we definitely don't know, and that, and that's awesome because we still get to learn about this stuff. But like you just said, we we definitely know what's what we have to know by necessity from a firefighting standpoint. Um, we're not definitely losing ourselves in the in the architectural details of irrelevance, right? Like that's not, that's not building construction in the fire. That's not what we're here to talk about or what we should even be wasting time on. Um, and I think some people kind of forget that. Um, it's, it's not it, a building collapse is another one too, that you can kind of get lost in. Um, that's definitely an a thing, right? But, at the, at, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're not, we're not engineers, you know. Um, it, yeah, I mean, if a wall is leaning, okay, I can tell you that's bad. Stay away from that. <clears throat> but when, when when is this beam going to fail? Well, I don't know. You know, um, <clears throat> that's just not, it's not what, what we do or talk about. But um, it is important. Like you said, you can't, you had upbringing and building instruction. And I said, you know, most, most everyone kind of has their moment of Of um, importance. I guess a a moment of need that is either given to them either through some some call they went to or something presented itself to basically say, wow, I need to know about buildings because maybe I didn't know enough before and this is really important stuff. Um, And so it's great they have a pedigree in that. Um, A a lot of us, I definitely did not, you know, something that i just got into you know later on in life through through curiosity and wanting to know my environment um and then obviously where i work played a big part in that but i've like you said been on a couple different departments from a small rural department combination volunteer and now i'm in a, essentially a Brook city so which is cool um but i mean maybe lex can hit on kind of her her background too with what you know what caused her to really like buildings also
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, basically for me, I had zero experience in construction and, uh, my first fire, I couldn't figure out how the fire got from point A to point B. And then I kind of realized, um that I needed to figure that out and that kind of dive into building construction. And I, I've noticed, um, at least for me personally, when I interact with some people and they, they ask about building construction stuff, you know, they get kind of too far in the weeds, you know, someone who's brand new to the fire service and they open a building construction book and they get, you know, kind of way over their head. Right. Cause we've all seen the textbooks and they're It's all good stuff, but it's maybe not necessarily what firefighter level, what we need to know on a scene. So what do you guys do? I know you're involved in the training, obviously, what are some issues you've seen in regards to building construction training and like what do you guys do for those newer members to kind of help them through the weeds of it all?
3: You know, I, I think, you know, I I love I love putting things in buckets, you mm-hmm. know, and, and um one of the uh, one of the best kind of formats for that, um, you know, Chief Castros, uh uh, Chief lot allow them to talk they, they break everything they can possibly down to the task the tactical or the strategic level mm-hmm. so it's like you know that's really helpful for me it's like okay well like you're saying man I don't want the new firefighter to be rolling up to the scene and I mean there's nothing wrong with it but I was that guy you know I had read uh, Dunn's book and, and all of these books and I'm Looking for the lintel on the you know steel lintel on the brick and you know <laughs> yes, is it traditional yeah. brick or is it just a veneer and it's like man what I was missing out on is like all right the door is swinging this way that means it's swinging towards a wall and mm-hmm. bedrooms are about ten by ten so that means I'm gonna go ten feet in and to the left uh, one of the, the one of the tricks that I do with our new firefighters is 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 in their first week of orientation um, it's it's having that layout. Uh, talk with them on building construction and and uh you know i i do it even in classes at fdic it's like well you know okay where's the newest people in the room raise your hand and then how many fires have you gone to and you know especially here hiring new firefighters some of them will say none most of you know the people that we hire here have not been to an actual work and structure fire and it's like all right, I I get that, but how many houses have you been in? How many houses have you lived in? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: And, you know, just kind of communicating to them that that's really what we want to focus on. Not their fire experience, but their experience in in occupancies. Mm -hmm. You know, if they start to pay attention to experience in occupancies, then the fire is just the variable. So, you know, from this day forward, you as a firefighter now, every time you go in an occupancy um start making that mental map especially in a small city like ours 26 square miles and it's like in a couple years you're you're gonna have a very good imprint in your brain of the neighborhood and the layout in the neighborhood i mean a lot of our neighborhoods only have three or four floor plans you know so it's like all right this one i go in and i go to the left to, to the to the medical or this one i go in and i go to the right for the medical, you know, or, or this yeah. one has the attached garage. This one has the detached garage. And I think that, uh, you know, focusing on, on, on layout at the, at the, you know, the, the, the firefighter level is, is, is very, very important.
4: Yeah. I mean that, that hit on something really huge. You know, first off it's the whole principle of being familiar with their environment and, um, anyone with, with time on in, in my department, I can kind of ask about some, Some uniqueness of uh, of something weird about a certain building and I can ask them have they ever seen that and they'd be like Oh, yeah, you know, that's very common in you know The the 14s still or that's very common in the nines area So they know exactly like what you're talking about. They've been and we have 79 neighborhoods They've been around enough and have picked out the the patterns, right? So they've paid attention and And that's really what it's about. It's about pattern recognition. It's about visual cues. Have you taken any dentist gear class, um, he goes into that. and a, a way to to pick up on those things, like you said, without even having to go to fires is one or two ways. You either pay attention on EMS runs because you're in the building. Or you get out and do your pre-plans, like a lot of departments still do. We used to do them, and we used to give the new kid the uh, the clipboard and the paper, and go, "All right, draw your plot plan." You know, give us a general floor sketch of this place, and it's essentially you're taking notes in art, right? Um, and you 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 start to start to string together the. After about the you know fifth or sixth month of doing a couple of those a month, you start to string together the patterns in your brain, regardless if you want to or not, of, hey, this building was like that one. Hey, the electric meter is in the same spot as the previous three electric meters, and so is the gas meter. How about that? So all that is stuff that is manufactured competence, right, that we can definitely just take the little effort to do that pays huge dividends when, like you said, now there is a variable of a fire or emergency. So all stuff that hopefully you guys do. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of places that have gone away from the, the pre-plan or scheduled pre-plans. I don't know. Maybe you guys have a system. We used to have to do three addresses a month in, a, in our response area. So,
3: Yeah. You know, I think uh, it's, it's like a lot of things. I mean, we, we focus our pre-planning on the commercials um, as far as formal, uh, obviously because we can't inspect residentials, but uh, that's, you know, that's, that's all on the individual I mean if you if you take those EMS responses as you know the opportunity to pre-plan informally then then you're good to go and our, I think our guys have done a better job of it I think nowadays with the instant gratification of being able to put that into a call note or being able to to, to get it into a uh, an MDT so that ne- the next time you go to this address it's populated right in there that there's hoarding conditions or this or that, um, i I think that there's been a little bit of a technological resurgence in um, you know documenting unique building factors at, at least in our area uh, or our department because uh, it, it has value you know and I, I think that that's probably where a lot of organizations lost it at least my past experience was we do a lot of stuff for pre-planning and then we we never see the fruits of it uh, because it 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 didn't make it back from the you know the file cabinet. Oh or right, so network.
4: yeah, yeah every, everyone had the everyone had the book of the book of maps that was never going to pop out on the chief's you know you know hood right like when they get like no one's ever going to use these you know on scene like this is ridiculous but um that, that's funny that you say that and and like you brought up a good point. Um, yeah, if you do your if you do your formal walkthroughs of commercial buildings and then you use your EMS component to get your intel for the residential, you know, how many times have you been on an EMS run? You're like, and after the EMS run, you're like, wow, if that place is ever on fire, we're gonna have to XYZ, you know, or you know, it's that kind of stuff. And then now you get to put that into notes. Um, that's huge, right? So now we have all of our bases covered. I mean it's it's just a, the best way to do that. But if you don't, like you said, if you don't take the effort to do that, then you're just getting one side one side of the coin right you're just getting your new commercials and then your residential is just a big blind spot and then well obviously we're the most I mean what what fires are we talking about most of the time right are we talking about the you know the, the warehouse are we talking about the house so we don't want the blind spot right um,
3: and one cool thing I mean I don't, I don't know how I mean you, I know you guys do a lot of building construction stuff but like uh, you know for example just in talking about it I pulled up uh, um, an incident right now that our guys are on it's a it's a medical, but, uh, our, we use the uh, first due as a, as a incident software, mm-hmm. um, and it crowdsources from things. So building department and, uh, and, uh, County. So we've not done any pre-planning on this occupancy, but it starts off with, uh, like right below the incident dispatch. Um, it says building story. And it says, this is a, this building is a townhouse, one story structure built in 1982, Residential one-story construction is drywall roofing type of the structure is gable. Total area of this occupancy is one thousand one hundred thirteen square feet. So wow, um, Wow. that's that's pretty in depth, right? That's the that's the information that it just uh, crowdsources from the county assessor's office. Now, if our building department had a a open permit for it or something like that, it would pull that. If our guys uh, run this medical and they, uh, you know, determine if there's hoarding conditions or uh, the occupant is bedridden in the, the AB a, corner or whatever, they, they can type that straight in. So it it becomes uh, a part of that initial dispatch information. I mean, I'm telling you right in between the map and the uh, call notes for this occupant took an inhaler this many days is that building story section. So, That's amazing. Um, I, I think that there's ways to get, you know, to 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 re re uh, you know, reinterest guys in in that because they'll see that instant return on investment of, of putting forth the the effort to put those details
4: in. Yeah, that's really cool. That it has a date too. That's a big a big discussion we always get in is well, when you say legacy construction, what what the heck does that even mean? And then when you say modern construction, well, that's what does modern mean? But if you say 1982, well, now I can. Take a very educated guess on what kind of roof assembly I'm on, what kind of wall assemblies there are. Like I, just by that number, right? There's a big difference between 1982 and 1882. You know, things change in, in between those two dates. Um, Absolutely. So, but yeah, it, it's a very precise, and that's where it's important to to kind of know some building construction stuff about. Hey, when did rafters turn into trusses? When did when did drywall happen from you know plaster and lath like that kind of stuff? Um, and that's where it is very important to kind of know your your ranges of, of your timeline, architectural timeline, I guess, is, is a, uh, the term you'd probably use for that instead of just saying broad generalities of legacy and modern because that that's just not precise enough to give you really any sort of useful information um, until you know, until you're on scene. So
0: yeah, for sure.
2: So, um, kind of going back to the, some of the engine stuff, um, we kind of hit on this a little bit when you talked about your perspective on the buildings, focusing on layouts, where the doors are, hallways and that kind of stuff. But when you're specifically talking about engine work and, um, building construction, maybe more specifically in this point, legacy buildings, you know, what are you focusing on as far as training? You know, how do you approach these buildings differently or do you approach them differently?
3: Yeah. You know, I think, um, you know, I, I, I think of the evolution in the, in the, in the fire service training that, I, that I've had in, uh, uh, you know, back in the day, it was very much like, uh, okay, you know, just, just go for it. And, uh, and we certainly did. And then you would, You'd go you go for it in your recruit training, and then they tell you all the the different things you messed up. And I think now you know through guys like Aaron Fields, through uh, ULFSRI, we're, we're we're dissecting the operation a lot better. And um, I I guess you know as far as the engine company goes, I kind of to, to give it a. a, a some type of analogy I'd say I'd apply it to football and it's like down in distance okay you know where are we at where do we need to go and, and breaking it down in, in that format um, and because it's because we have to follow the pathways you know a truck company can jump in anywhere jump on anything um, but we we have to maneuver through the occupancy as far as an engine company so that down in distance is really kind of in, important for me so um, in in the word the transitional attack has uh, obviously been handcuffed to that, that outside um, knockdown and then the transitioning to the interior. But really, um, when we're working on a, a fire in a compartment, uh, every piece of our advancement is a transition. You know, that, that initial transition is from the, the yard into the living room. Uh, at the front door, if it's a residential, and that's kind of a big open space, uh, then the next move might be from that living room to the hallway. Well, now you're dealing with a a you know a, a very concentrated space, especially when it comes to um, you know fire dynamics because it's 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 a tighter space, it's it's funneled. So you're going to have a a much kind of different fire uh, conditions in a hallway versus the living room. You can have smoke, you know, two feet off the the ceiling in, in the living room, but then you go to make that turn into the hallway, and now it's you know it could be fire a couple of feet off the floor. Uh, so you're you're transitioning from, you know, different pieces of the structure as far as the the dynamics go, and then you know making it down a hallway and into a room. Uh, stairs are the same way. I mean, I, I again working in in Northern California to start. Uh, uh, it seemed like we were going upstairs more often than anything because of a lot of the, you know, just hills and stuff. Mm-hmm. But then you get out to Oklahoma, everything was flat. There was no stairs. Then I go to Colorado, and, and uh, we had a, a ton of basements, and, and those were a blast, but also, you know, going upstairs. So, uh, you know, that influences decision-making and stuff. So I guess I've kind of been all over the place, but I – I really do kind of think of that down and distance approach. Okay. I, I am going to, my first move is going to be from this front door to, uh, the hallway. Now I need to assess and address the hallway. All right. My next move is going to be from here down that hallway to the compartment. Then I'm going to assess and address the compartment. Uh, once I get it to the compartment, I assess and address the compartment. I'm going to need to see what the contents are. So, uh, um, I, I think it's fun that we're, we're starting to have a better understanding of fire dynamics and, and, and how fire dynamics work within a compartment because truly, uh, you know, fire dynamics is fluid dynamics. If I were to put the uh, fire room uphill from the front door and I filled it full of water, uh, as it comes down the hallway, it's gonna accelerate like rapids. Then it's gonna dump out into the living room. It's gonna chill out like a lake. But, uh, you know, buoyancy and heat pulls uh, smoke and fire up. Gravity pulls water down. But the, the, the paths, you know, and the intensity and the influences on uh, compartmentalization and channeling and all that stuff is all the same. So really, you know, the, the fire flow path is, is the same as the water flow path, so we're we're just countering uh, that action with with uh, with water.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, all that's that's very true and very good points. And um, I like that you brought up the the going upstairs a lot. Um, the the big thing that people will see in, in main streets when it comes to stairs is uh, the, the 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 longer than traditional straight run stair. Right. It, it's also wider in a lot of cases, um, or it may just be the you know, the normal thirty six inch um, length or width. But it'll be a lot longer, and, and what people don't realize is with these massive, you know, double run, straight run stairs, is you're you're taking you're taking all the way to the, essentially the rear of the building, right? And then now you got to make this hard ninety or one hundred and eighty degree turn to go all the way to the front. And I don't think people realize how much hose line that they're losing you know having to having to go up you know 55 steps just to the second floor or the third floor however if there's a landing you know but it's all just one bear and we've all seen this right the, the very long long straight run stair and you're like jesus it looks like an aztec temple or something when you're looking when you're looking at it from the street level but then you're like oh. you know what I'm saying and, then, and I think people don't don't realize that because that's they've never come across us. That's not like the stairs in their house. You know, that's not the typical twenty steps down into the basement or something.
2: How would you guys approach something like that? You know, it, it's kind of you know again,
3: it's uh it's it's find those similarities. So uh, you know, the, the straight run stair, and and you bring up some really important stuff because it not only like we should anticipate that. Like if you know your district, then you 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 absolutely need to anticipate that. Yeah. I'm I'm not going to the uh, the house that was built uh, in 2005 that has this uh, you know the return stair construction mm-hmm. feature. Like I'm I'm going to a building that was built this way, or you know those those long straight run stairs. It's the exact same way in a townhouse. Correct. You know, it's right. it's right in the door. It's straight up and it's straight back. Yep. And it's important to understand. You know, again, that on the tactical level, um, that, that means that uh, you're you're initiating your hose line advancement on the alpha side, Mm -hmm. but you're initiating your fire attack from on the the, Charlie side, you know, like
4: it's, it's, dude, you just said something that it's mind blowing. Nine out of 10 people in the room don't understand, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, the fire is blowing out of the A side windows. You're literally having to go past the fire on the inside. That's just a wall in between. But yeah, people don't realize that you got, you're hitting the back wall and and turning around, right? Like it's, it's mind blowing that people don't realize that until you got to like draw them a picture.
3: I know. And that's, you know, uh, it's a shame on us that we don't have the, 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 the training environments to support that, you know, like 90% of drill towers have a, you know, have a, a a stairwell that's, that's not representative of of a straight run or a, or a residential. So, I mean, that's, that's on us, but, um, you know, with that too, uh, you know, at the task level, like you're talking about, it's like, okay, well, if, if the fire's on that floor, then. I should have relative safety, you know, uh, a significant, uh, stretch below it, you know? Sure. So hopefully you can get everything set up to support, you know, some attack hose over your supply hose, get, get a good bite, you know, up the stairs a little bit, you know, set the stage for that really difficult task. Like you're talking about of that, that hard 90 on a stair and, you know, and with that, I, you know, I, I think once again, back to some really terrible, uh, education and training of saying, Hey, get everybody on the same side of the hose line. It's like, yeah. no, sir. You know, when you're a good nozzle firefighter and backup firefighter, or essentially a tiller truck, uh, mm-hmm. working through a building, um, the, the nozzle firefighter should be, should, um, maintain the hose on the wall side of their body. Um, so that way in, in the stairwells, you know, typically one side of the stairwell is up against the wall well you want to have that against the wall so that way you can with your hip pin it against the wall use that friction point to absorb that nozzle reaction because for one you're on an incline in some way shape or form so you're not the best stable platform and two your your backup isn't right behind you so Mm
0: -hmm.
3: um keeping that that hose on the on the wall side of your body is going to support that turn in the sense that now the you know you just hip checking the the hose against the wall whether you're going right or left making that 90 um it's going to absorb a lot of that energy and help you make that turn correct the backup firefighters that just the exact opposite you know right they you don't want the backup firefighter to be on the on the inside of the hose because then they're going to get pinched when that nozzle firefighter uh you know so when that nozzle firefighter makes that landing to make that Right hand turn or left hand turn. The hose should be working around their body so that way they can truly, you know, get that good 180 degree, you know, arc. Uh, when that fire, that nozzle or that backup firefighter makes it to that landing, be at the bottom of the stairs, or the top of the stairs, or the midpoint of the stairs, their uh, air bottle should be in the corner, and they're just shuffling hose around them. They're 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 making that corner soft, you know, so they're they're dealing hose around that corner. So. Um, you know, I I can't say enough about uh, stairs. Really, force us to be great at managing corners because it's a corner and it's on an incline one way or the other. So uh, I, if given the chance, as far as setting up firefighters for success, we would always be you know advancing hose onto a fire floor at the top or bottom of the stairs.
4: Yeah, right. And that's one the one component that like I said, we get to go to we get to go to everywhere from from very small towns to to you know medium size, 100,000 person, you know, larger cities, but all with a very, um, all with a very large uh, building stock of, of a main street component or a historical component. And when a lot of your fires are in either ranch style or story and a half, and then all of a sudden you have this three story main street fire with these, in, in that case, multiple stairwells of two different types. Um, when's the last time you, you had that in your fire attack, right? When's the last time you trained with stairs in the equation? You know, if all you're used to is a ranch or maybe going downstairs, um, in a basement or something, and then all of a sudden you're faced with three floors with the basement. Um, so now it's multiple stairwells. You know, how how good are you going to be? You know, how do you, how do you get good at that? Um, and if, like you said, if you're if you don't have that backed up somehow on the front end with a training facility, if your training facility doesn't reflect your building stock, well, you, now you've already put yourself at a deficit. Um, regardless, So that, that's just, yeah, like you said, w- w- one more one more way that we can manufacture competence, you know. Um, but that's the one thing we, we definitely do see when we do these classes and we take them into the buildings. Um, we always ask them, hey, how do you get hose here? And then there's always there's never a unanimous answer. There's always a lot of questions more than answers, if anything. Right. Because they're not even thinking about that. And, and you know and that's and it sounds like you guys are obviously you you would be um but most places aren't especially on the third floor the third floor the third floor is a big question mark in a lot of places and then we start talking about some some outside the box stuff lines over ladders right you know like and well who who do we see do that all the time well why do you think they do that because they have a, a building the buildings at height you know and that's easier than stairs in a lot of cases but that's a whole other discussion and maybe you guys do that i don't know so
3: no I mean it we we're, we're working on it you know and, and uh I mean as most of Oklahoma a lot of our self is stuff is single level work you know so uh um the stairs are are a weak point in our game um you know I think that that's, uh, we, that's we, all
4: that's all the midwest right like cuz we have space let's yeah. let's be real you know it doesn't look like new hampshire here it's not new jersey yeah. so yeah no but, we <laughs>
3: You are gonna encounter them at some point, And that's you know, our training facility is, is is coming together. We uh it's it's under construction right now, but we've we've incorporated a lot of those features into it because I'm I'm the over prepared type. You know, I, I feel like if you can if you only bench press 135, you're never gonna be able to do 225. But if we you know if, if we're yeah, working on right. one rep maxes of, of two fifty uh, then 135 is going to be easy. So we're going to do a lot of stair work. Um, we're going to do a lot of two and a half work, and that all the purpose of that is to just make your inch and three quarter single floor stuff be really, really easy.
4: Sure, sure, right. And the the big thing that I like to say is, you know, I, I'm a big component or a big fan of um, you know the, the rope, the bag of rope of whatever length preconnect you have with with 50 foot knots for couplings. I'm a huge proponent of that, so you can get at least a visual indicator of where you can and can't get. And then, like you said, if if you bring that in, into a pre-plan or just a walkthrough and then you guys are hitting it hard with the, the very techniques of how to use the hose, then, then you guys, you, you know, you're going to be good regardless um, of if you go to fires like, like with stairs or not. But if you don't have if you don't have anything to, to even put in your mind beforehand um, and, and the first time you're squaring up against... You know, a a three-story fire, um, and that's the first time you mess with stairs. It's it's not going to be good. You know, especially if you have multiple lines needing to go to the same floor. Um, It's going to be it's going to be messy, and it's probably one of the reasons why we see a lot of these transition from offensive to defensive, and then they they lose the block if not more. Um, And and now that brings me to another thing: is how do you set up pre-connects? Most people set up 200 feet pre-connects, but once you start going to these buildings. You know, the third floor eats up a lot of line. Second floor eats up a lot of line, um, especially with these long stairs and the deep run buildings um, of a typical Main Street block. They're long and narrow. So all stuff that no one's thinking about. No one's thinking about the 300-foot stretch. No one has a plan to extend line. Um, and I, But, you know, I don't absolutely mean no one. I'm just a lot of the places that we go to don't even have these in their, their playbook because these fires aren't necessarily common, right? So um just oversights and, and strategic blind spots
3: oh for sure and then, you know and then you know talk about strategic blind spots they, at the task level so and i i love the fact that you bring up the the rope uh and and checking those things out and i i, I like that and and you know you're talking about it's it's eye opening for a lot of departments to say how are you, how are you going to get hosed to this place and they haven't thought about that and that that's an important part but then um the follow-up is how are you going to move the fire stream from this place, and that that comes down to body mechanics, like I'm talking about, because it's like okay, well, we know we can get our hose line here. It's like okay, well, then how are you going to perform the task at this point? And I'm glad that flowing and moving is is getting more and more recognition, so that it it, it is challenging people to consider it. But sure. you know, being on stairs is is important. Like you're not just going to be flowing water at the top or at the bottom of the stairs. There's there's oftentimes where you need to open up a few stairs below oh, absolutely. Uh, that that floor and and so um stopping them right there and saying okay well let me see how your body mechanics here well you know we want the hose on the outside hip we want to bring it around but going downstairs you you lead with the foot and you're prepared to drive your body up and back uh, going yeah. upstairs you're planning a foot and your your plan is to drive your body up and forward so Uh, those are things you really have to kind of consider just as the same as you know we warm up with a lift to get our body through those mechanics and make sure they're all linking up before we put it under weight you know i i I, we got to get the hose line there but but really we we need to get the water application from um you know from point a to, to point b as well and and that's that's important the way we handle a living room is, is different than than the way we handle a hallway because the living room we we want to build slack in our system so that way we can make that hallway sure uh, when we're in the hallway it's it's a drag race you know we, we we're, it's straight and fast and we, we don't have a lot of wiggle room mm-hmm. um, but that again is important too get to the you know get to the opposite side of the, uh, the, the, compartment. So your, your water is, is working in that it, it, it's, you know, hose lines are line of sight tools. We, we have to make sure we're in the right, right position to make an impact on the, on the target.
4: Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point too. Uh, when we do these, these, uh, you know, building walk, walkthroughs and stuff like that. And we do these classes, um, a lot of these older buildings, they're not, they're not newly rehabbed and drywalled out. These things are 100 year old. They have wainscoting. They have lacquered open stairwell banister railings, carpeted floors, um, heavily you know legacy furnish attire. I guess you would would call that. Um, and uh, people don't understand. Like that puts off puts off a massive amount of fire load that isn't what is not in the modern category, you know, it's, it's in a, it's not it from a time to where, yeah, you, you, you need to flow water on this sooner than what you're expecting. The, um, the, the, the furnishings, the, the wall coatings, the extra layers of paint people don't think about. If you read anything back from the Warriors years in the, in the project fires, the, the multiple levels of paint on the walls made those hallways incredibly more turbulent than just, you know, just a hallway of what we think now with just drywall and the, you know, a single, um, some primer. Um, people don't realize that. Plus now you combine this with a lot of departments out there in the Midwest. I know you've seen this Are still running the selective gallonage clipped down to like a 125. Um, that's, that's nonsense, right? That that's, that's just, that's crazy talk to even go square up against an old building that's been furnished like that with that kind of, of suboptimal, you know, flow. Um, and, and then, you know, they're not flowing and going. You know, they're waiting to see the glow because that's what they were taught in Fire 1 and 2, right? So all that just adds up to a catastrophe. And, and we, like I said, a lot of times that turns into, you know, a whole row of buildings being just destroyed because of small stuff like that, right? Exactly. So,
2: so we've hit on a lot of this already in kind of the stairs and stretches and stuff. But is there anything specific... You know, for Midwest City, as far as maybe SOGs or specific strategies do you guys have um, when approaching uh, legacy or historic districts, kind of, we're kind of looking at this from like a suburban perspective. We talk a lot about small towns and volunteers and then obviously the larger cities, but maybe from a suburban perspective, do you guys approach them differently? Do you have a specific SOG for a historic building or is it just kind of the first officer on scene kind of makes the play off of what they see?
3: You know, I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, uh, I, I would, I hate to do this to you. Um, mm-hmm. if, if, because like, uh, you know, there is a, there is a a belief that every, every city has a main street. Um, but, uh, you know, as far as applying it to the suburban areas, um, a, a lot of suburban areas don't, right. you know, they're, they're, they're a zip code there. there's a concentrated area of commercial, uh, stuff, but, um, we we do not here in Midwest City have that traditional um, you know main street row of buildings and that type of stuff. Our original mile, um, as far as it is where those uh, very very early single family dwellings went up to support the uh the work on the base mm-hmm. um you know the the, the base was the uh, main street for for our area whereas like the the train depot or the you know those types of things uh, gave birth to um rail stop or whatever intersection gave birth to the 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 cores of these older towns um you know our 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 hub is 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 a base uh so that's kind of our main street and we we certainly don't work on there um so as far as that goes uh we don't have a different a a playbook other than you know single family dwellings get get four in the truck and and anything else we send five in a truck but that's really because that's all we can send Mm -hmm. you know so in the suburban setting i'd say the biggest thing to focus on is 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 efficiency in your operations like we we want to get the most we possibly can out of um each apparatus you know so uh for our our setup um we we run four inch hoses supplied to our engines so we can lay a single for single family and it really doesn't take up much space on our uh on our smaller streets uh where these old houses don't have part off street parking Mm -hmm. um and then you know on top of that if we do have two houses going or we have a commercial we can lay dual four inches so that way we're getting two supply lines off of one rig and two supply lines off of one hydrant so uh i i think it's always interesting when you go around and you hear these uh suburban departments kind of saying oh well we have minimum staffing or you know or we you know don't have much resources it's like look bro if your staffing or your resources hasn't changed since you got there then then that's what you got mm-hmm. so find a way to uh take your three engine department and and leverage it to be effective as as five or ur- five urban engines you know like i mean they, they have the people but uh, some of those things create inefficiencies so um just you know, I, we're we're talking about smaller uh, organizations, smaller departments. It's uh, uh, you know, find ways to be more efficient and effective uh, rather than um, seeking out excuses. Because I I promise you, a, a lot of a lot of highly trained and motivated and and, and firefighters seeking efficiencies uh, can be can be way more effective than than armies of of urban. Uh, or
4: urban cruise.
2: Hmm, I say that all the time.
4: Yeah, um, you, you know, it's, it's funny to say that too. Uh, we, we go to small towns all over the place that that quite frankly have a more robust. They have a better turnout than I do. You know, on on St. Louis, um, people the whole town comes together to fight the fire, right? Like there's the mass. There's there's a massive amount of people that show up, and then some. It's the complete opposite. But then you get into a suburban. Na- suburban area and it's like what you just said you know they have two ambulances out on medical runs and now they have two guys on a truck or the chief and one guy on a truck right and and then the the volunteer community next door has 30 people on scene in in 10 minutes so um it it is so uh it's just so uh, much of a variance out there you you really don't have any idea um Mm -hmm. of of what what is what who's getting what um it, it could be just so far in each direction um And it is interesting you bring up the point to where, yeah, you're right. Not everyone does have the main street of the historic district. We went to a town in uh, Indiana, um, and they just have had a massive explosion of um, population. And uh, they, yeah, you're right. Like, they have nothing that's older than than 30 years, essentially. You know, it's all brand new. It's all brand new warehouses and and new um, modern buildings. But they do go to mutual aid to numerous Towns around them with with you know the the postcard you know Midwest Main Street type thing, um, and then also I try to remind people I go, especially if you're early on in your career, you may have started off in a place like that, like you know with with none of this that we're talking about present, but you may go get on an apartment that that does have that. Um, and then and then now, you don't don't put yourself in a, in a massive deficit because you were like, oh, I didn't, didn't know anything about that at the time. But now five years later, that, that's your environment all of a sudden.
2: The other thing to keep in mind, too, that we talk a lot about with people is that, you know, the main street buildings that you think of, the legacy buildings, and then the residential built at the same age, they may differ in size or the fact that they're not connected in a big row, but the construction features are the same. The void spaces are similar. So it's always, like you said, important to just kind of at least be aware of what those buildings kind of have to
4: offer. Um, also, the, the big thing now, too, is there's a huge resurgence in that, like, Americana look. Um, so you're right. Like, we'll, we'll take um, Midwest City as, as a perfect example. Who knows what's going to happen in the next 10 years out there? They might put a row of, you know, I row home looking Main Street, you know, brick veneer but what you have just alluded to, the straight run stairs will be there. The, the, the layouts will be there, right? The only thing that won't be there is just the age. Um, and then the building materials won't be old, but the layouts will be there. So that would be a, a good example if you have a department in you know suburban America that only does you know ranch style homes or something like that or bungalow style homes. All of a sudden they wake up and they have three or four story lofts going in. Because that's what the young people want built nowadays. You know what I mean? Um,
3: so. Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's. It's the uh, every everything ebbs and flows, and I. I mean, the, the suburban sprawl, like you talked about, it, is there. But um, a, a lot of areas, you know that that is a a knock on the suburban sprawl area is that massive explosive growth is. You know what? We don't have a downtown. You know, yeah. so developers hear that and. As you said before, you know, it, um, you know, a, a, a town that is nothing but track homes and, and warehouses, uh, the next development that goes in will be a, uh, you know, a, a square, a park, you know, yeah. in, a, in a square. And you'll have, uh, you know, the bo- boutique shops operating, a, o- occupying a first floor and, and, yep. and residential two floors above it. And, and before you know that, uh, you know, the, the 2030, uh, town uh, is very reminiscent, at least architecturally and as you're saying, layout-wise, of the 1930 town.
4: Um. Yeah, I mean, we we've seen it happen in the town we live in. You know, office, we we have literally Baltimore-style row homes present now in, in this landscape. Not to mention we have four four-story um, taxpayer-type residential mixed-use and and like how are they getting to the roof? I they can't. Like they the, the buildings have outgrown the aerials and. I guarantee you no one's trained on row home fires in this area ever. I can definitively say that. So, but they're present, they're here, you know? Um, but the only things that, the only thing that's not here is age. you know, right. They're, they're brand new. Um, but and the, the know, tactics stay the same. The strategy is the same, you know?
3: And that's something that, you know, I, I hope everybody's paying attention to in, in, in their rig spec. You know, we, I'm obviously big into rig spec because of their 20 year decision making, uh, you know 20 this 20 year decisions that you make um if, if you're seeing that coming to your uh you know your area then uh in your truck companies you you have to start considering the 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 20 footer coming back you know to mm-hmm. to bridge that gap of that commercial first floor yep uh, you've got to start considering the 45 footer you know um just just you know a couple of 35s I mean, you're you're gonna have all the twenty fours and 14s you can handle on on engine companies that arrive into these events, but you you really have to, um, we really have to start clubbing it up on our aerial apparatus as far as uh you know the uh, the, the ground ladder complements because but as you said uh, the 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 aerials line of sight it, yeah. it gets boxed out. Um, we we have to go to the ground ladder game and um, it, I, 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 tell, know, I'll, I tell you what, a lot of these are just a slight slightly bit higher, so getting the 28s uh, into the department, getting the twenty-foot straights. Uh, these these are all, um, you know, as we've advanced our hose lines, you know, up to one hundred and fifty GPM and into the quarter and and these types of things. The uh, the the ground ladder complement has has to match the uh, the the density of residential that's coming to a lot of suburban
4: areas. Right, and I mean, I tell you what, when it comes to rig specs in the Midwest, it's uh, it's 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 ugly, right? Like the the quint the quint concept or the quint design really set a lot of places back in my opinion it was it like you just said it took away the 20s it took away the the 45s like and all that went away because it we just settled on the middle ground right we settled with 200 feet of something and 24 feet of something else right like um that's just kind of and then you know whatever aerial you spec out and that that's probably not going much farther than 75 feet so uh that that diluted i guess uh, a whole design facet in the in the Midwest, and our, our rigs are, I think, kind of coming back from that in a way. Hopefully, um, I, I mean, obviously, I can't speak for every department in the Midwest, but just in Missouri, um, I have yet to see a highly functional engine or pumper anywhere in my state. I mean, that's, that's just being honest. Um, they're, yeah, they're all. It's just they don't, a lot of them don't make sense in it. Just, they could be better built uh, for a lot of yeah. reasons, <laughs> but yeah. Um but yeah just that's all very important stuff that you bring up there
2: so to kind of wrap things up here, um we know you teach a lot of engine classes and stuff. What is I guess the thing that you would be the key takeaway and maybe you've already said it, but kind of resummarizing it for us for engine companies when approaching building construction, you know what are kind of the key points that you would want someone maybe new to the fire service to focus on
3: um the ways, you know, I, I can't remember who coined it, but the engine engine owns the ways, the hallways, the stairways, uh, entryways. I mean, that, like that that has to be our, but um, it's that is that is the core of it. And that, so back to the the you know the building construction thing. It's it's layout over lumber for the uh, for the engine companies. You know, where where are we initiating our operations? And if and if we have the ability where we are initiating attack to to, to create a stockpile of hose, then do it, man. I mean, if we have the living room, you know, take a few seconds in that living room to to pre-stage your next uh, your next movement. Um, if it's if it's a, a ranch and you're trying to work back to a bedroom, then then get enough hose in that living room to support that drag race down the hallway and that advancement into the bedroom. If it's uh, a townhouse, you know the fire's on the second floor, then then take advantage of that first floor to set your hose up, set it up right, make sure your attack is over your supply to where that uh, movement, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the stairs, we're either making that quick transition up and on, um, or same thing with the basement, like be ready to, to get down and get around um, when we're going downstairs, so um the entryway is 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 important. Don't overlook it as a as a place to set yourself up for success for the rest of the trip, either down hallways or 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 up and down stairways. And then, man, there's there's nothing harder than a, than a, a a fire above grade because you're dealing a lot of times with both a stairway and a hallway, and and those are restrictive atmospheres for for hose. So. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I love it. I mean, if, if, if all we could ever work would be would be one fire evolution, it would be upstairs, around a corner, down a hallway, into a room. Uh, that that sets up all the skill sets um, for success in, in any single level uh, evolution.
2: Awesome. Well, uh, last question for you. If someone wants to find you, uh, has questions, or just wants to get information from you, what's the best way? Social media or email or whatever you feel like providing
3: right now it's brian ebrush at gmail.com um i took a break from facebook in order to get focused on uh getting some things accomplished for fdic the keynote and some other stuff just kind of trying to eliminate some distractions so i I took a break from that and that carried into lent so um i'm off of uh access as far as that goes but i will be back here in, in a couple weeks but Brian E at gmail.com or uh, you can track me down at Midwest City Fire Department um, here in Oklahoma anytime. We are hiring, um, so uh, that that uh, fl- uh, plug for our department. It, it is a, a great organization to work for. We have a lot of great stuff going for us. So uh, call me at the at the uh, department, or, or look me up on my personal email, or uh, find me at FDIC. I'm I'm really excited about this year. I had to take last year off due to an injury, so I'm I'm excited to be back.
2: Yeah, so I'm going to re-plug that for you. If you're going to be at FDIC this year, make sure you check out his keynote speech on Thursday. And your class is Thursday afternoon as well, correct? Yep. Cool. All right. Um, So, yeah, like I said, reach out to the chief if you have any questions. We really appreciate your time. I think this was a really good conversation. And appreciate your, uh, you know, well-rounded perspective. And uh, just thanks again.
4: Yeah, thanks, chief. uh, Uh, Be safe out there. We'll see you in Indy. Yep. Yes, sir.
2: Thanks again for listening to another episode of Main Street Firefighting, a podcast by Fire Engineering. We hope it was worth your time. As we mentioned, if you're at FDIC, be sure to catch the Chief's keynote speech, in Unquenchable Faith, at Thursday's opening ceremony, as well as his class, Civilian Rescues, The Reason We Exist, at 1.30 on Thursday. Afterwards, if you're interested, catch our class, Legacy Firefighting, A New Take on Old Buildings. As always, if there's a topic you'd like to hear more on, or a fire you'd like to discuss, please reach out. Until then, stay safe and have a good night.